<laughs> I'm all about hashtags. I use them to access. We use them all the time for the posts, show, but, but I just think that there's a time a and a place for them. You know, like sure, if you have like a poster for an event or something like that, fine. But you know, if you got to put it on your bottle, maybe don't put it right under the McAllen. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Those Dram Yinzers with your hosts, John and Zach. Hey everyone, I'm John. And I'm still Zach. Welcome to Those Dram Yinzers where we drink bourbon and talk about it. Good job. Thank you. I'm proud of you. I know, I did it again. You did it again. It's like right. I've done this before a few times. All right, just a couple times. Just a couple. All right, so we're still sitting here at Wiggle, um, sitting here with Alex. This time Meredith had to take care of some other business. That one they, of the umpteen million one of the umpteen they're working million, on yeah, right exactly. now. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so we're, uh, we're chilling here with him, and we're going to get into some whiskey. So. I thought for sure for a minute you were going to say we're going to get schwasty, and I was like, I don't know if we're going to do that, man. we got to drive home. Yeah, true. I don't have far to go. I only got 10 minutes up the road. That's you got to hike. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> probably meet my my wife for lunch after my my lunch for wife after this. My wife for lunch after this. Words, words are hard. Gosh, words is hard. It's a good thing we do a podcast, right? <laughs> All right, Alex. So what uh, what are we getting into today? Uh, would you well, would you pour us first? I the first thing I poured was our uh, Wapsie Valley bourbon. So um, the one she talked about in the previous episode, the one that's that, fucking good. That's right. <laughs> it's my first swear of the whole show. Yeah. No, I said dick earlier. Sorry, yeah. it's my second swear. Yeah. And I, I think this is uh, – the reason I brought this in is I think it's what got us to do a bourbon. You know, when we first started, we were making, as we mentioned, rye and wheat mm-hmm. um, off off the bat. And we weren't making a bourbon. Mm-hmm. We were like, there's a lot of bourbon. Just like we said, there's a lot of breweries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we said there's a lot of bourbon on the market. So we didn't, we didn't think we were going to do bourbon. And then, you know, we found this core in Wapsie Valley – Indian corn, which is this uh, red and orange, super colorful uh, corn, and it's open pollinated. So most corn today, when you when uh, it's grown, all of those silk threads pollinate each kernel of corn, and most corn is just self pollinating. It doesn't mm-hmm. need a poly- piece of pollen from another mm-hmm. ear of corn. Mm-hmm. This one does. So like. The wind blows pollen and the pollen touches one of those silk strands and that's what creates the kernel. As a result, it's, um, the, the yield in growing it is much lower than normal corn. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's also really, uh, has a completely different, um, breakdown in terms of starch content, protein, Mm -hmm. minerals, things like that. And I think to the, to the extent that we're trying to explore terroir or the fact that different grains can impact flavor, I think this has a unique um, way to do that for our consumer base, especially since mm-hmm. bourbon is the most easily understood of whiskeys, uh, most widely understood. Mm-hmm. Um, so to have bourbon demonstrate that goal that we have in making whiskey, uh, it, it was something that got us excited in making bourbon. Nice. I love the noses that come out of your whiskeys. I feel like in a blind tasting, I could pick out Wiggle hands down because you guys definitely have in a good way yeah oh yeah definitely in a good way i i so sweet yeah it doesn't 
when you think of a traditional quote unquote bourbon, like this doesn't smell like it, doesn't have the nose like it. I feel like there's just so there's much more complexity out of this nose. It's very floral too. Mm-hmm. I think. You know, floral. Of... It's malty. You know, it's just I, I enjoy it very much. Yeah, thanks. I get um Oh yes. Oh yes. Well, that's really sweet. In mm-hmm. a good way though. No, I, I like that a lot. Like mm-hmm. that's really, really pleasing on the palate. Yeah, I definitely get on the the nose like a lot of roasted corn, like kind of that corn up front, cornmeal, mm-hmm. cornbread. And then on the palate you get a lot more of those orchard flavors mm-hmm. like um peach skin, um, like stone fruit. Um, with like a sweet nutty finish, almost like a maple pecan and cinnamon. Mm-hmm. I do get a little bit of cinnamon mm-hmm. on there. Yeah, that's I get that really, nutty, really, almost nice. to the point of like the the nuttiness that you get out of like you know Jim Beam is very uh, known for their 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 nutty you know <clears throat> tasting notes on their stuff. But then yeah, you're right at the back end, it just kind of kicks it mm-hmm. right right as it you know, right as you're finishing it off. But um, oh, I like that a lot. So what's the difference to the waspy corn versus um, for, uh, another distiller we've had on here, uh, Liberty Pole does, the Bloody Butcher corn? Sure. So, it, it, I mean, obviously, the, it, probably the pollination as well. We didn't really get into that with them. I didn't even think that was a thing. So um, We're learning a lot today, man. We are, yeah. I wish yeah. school could always be like mm-hmm. this. Yeah, I'm not as familiar with Bloody Butcher other than I do know it is one of those heirloom varieties of corn. Okay. Um, that was... Um, much more mm-hmm. widespread. It mm-hmm. does have dark red kernels, mm-hmm. whereas the Wapsi has kind of a, a blend of red and orange. Okay. Um, and I'm not sure if it's, I assume it's probably open pollinated mm-hmm. uh, because it's a, a, one of the more traditional heirloom mm-hmm. styles. And so, uh, and that's definitely something that um, both of these corns are something that a lot of people have taken an interest in in terms mm-hmm. of being one of the earlier uh, varieties of corn that was grown. And that's just something that is really also unique to America in terms of um, the, you know, the corn and um, everything that was being grown at the time and, and was a direct result of mm-hmm. the Whiskey Rebellion. Right. Uh, was the birth of the bourbon industry. So mm-hmm. as a result of the Whiskey Rebellion, um, Hamilton gave a lot of farmers... Uh, it, was, it was basically the first farm bill in a way, um, free land if they moved to Kentucky on the condition that they grew corn. So these Western Pennsylvania farmers and distillers, their recompense for the Whiskey Rebellion and excise tax was, hey, move to Kentucky and grow corn. Mm-hmm. And we know what farmers do with the grain they grow. They make whiskey. Mm-hmm. Gee, that fact didn't make it into the musical. Sure did. <laughs> and, uh, and that, of course, Jim Beam was originally a western pennsylvania distiller mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh that you know they moved to kentucky and uh the the that first farm bill to grow mm-hmm. corn nativist farm policy um kind of kicked off the bourbon industry in a way it's fascinating to think about just how different history uh, just how different the whole whiskey scene could be and even pennsylvania if it had remained the heartland of whiskey in america had the whiskey rebellion not happened had that whiskey tax not happened and pushed everybody further west because right. i know traditionally you say whiskey people think oh yeah tennessee kentucky 
Ireland, the South. The, uh, yeah, yeah. But if, if, especially in America, yeah, mm-hmm. they think the South. Right. Um, and one of my favorite things that I learned about when we did this podcast was the Monongahela Rye and the rich history that Pennsylvania has in it. And that uh, I, say, I think I say it's like every other episode now, but Ben Franklin saying, "Did you bring the Monongahela Rye?" Right. You know, like there is a reason why it started here, and I think it's so cool that like distillers like you guys are bringing that history back to the mm-hmm. forefront and, mm-hmm. and making people realize like, oh dang, Pennsylvania makes damn good whiskey. So yeah, sorry buddy, it's I'm lots trying of to hold your hand. I think one of the bottles I do own it's it's one of the straight bourbon whiskeys. And I think it's number 74. Yeah, I think that's – you come out with 74 and 73. They, they both come out at the same right. time. Right. right. And I think – and that one – the 74 is made with the Waspy as well. Right. right. Yeah. That's one of the bottles that I Yeah, made. so those were some of our – so this is one in which we're uh, blending together a number of barrels at a time. Okay. It's a larger batch, whereas the, that, that was a single barrel. Yeah. Uh, so that was a single – this is a blend. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah, you, you want, want do you want to hit on the label at all? Well, I I I wanted to talk about just the whole mm-hmm. thing because it's just so pleasing to look at in general. Like mm-hmm. I love the red color of the whiskey. Mm-hmm. It's a very unique color with a whiskey. You don't mm-hmm. see that kind of um, rose, like deep rose red kind of mm-hmm. palette. And I think we even that that note was even made when we talked mm-hmm. about because that that's what we tried. We tried seventy four on the show, and mm-hmm. that that was a, a note. That we picked out, mm-hmm. at least with the color wise, it had a, a thank you. It had a um, more of a reddish tint, which is interesting because it's not with because of the corn because mm-hmm. it comes out white, you know, when it's distilled. So, but it looks um, beautiful, mm-hmm. and I love the way you guys kind of you played off that with the red label, and it's got mm-hmm. this gorgeous silver foil print. It's on got the a top. what? It's got a what? Gorgeous, gorgeous, <laughs> Henny. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, I, I I do, and something I really and I, and I mentioned earlier that like the wiggle bottles are very unique to you guys. But whether it's this rounded shape or this rectangular shape, I can still tell if it's a wiggle bottle. Mm-hmm. It is kind of very modern and minimal and clean lines, and mm-hmm. that's something I really enjoy. It just makes the whole they are they're look. very. I mean, sometimes you might see the rounded ones. Uh, on a shelf that's not wiggle because it's maybe like a 375 or something like that. Right. But the the square, the rectangular ones, no one up. If if that label wasn't on there and I saw this bottle. Like, oh, one, it's a wiggle bottle. Oh, it's a wiggle bottle. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, All right. So now I finally get to ask some of the questions I wanted to ask <laughs> earlier, but I felt like it would be better for this segment. So mm-hmm. have you guys ever made a whiskey based off of an ingredient you saw from a supplier and you were like, that would be really cool to try and work with. I'm trying to think what the, I mean, and if the question doesn't make sense, let me know. Cause I know speak good sometimes <laughs> like outside of whiskey, like just another distilled spirit. No, but like, I, I was are, you, are you trying to think of, um, well, I was just thinking about like how you guys have kind of like your, um, your passion projects where you're saying like, this is kind of like one of our whim ones kind of a thing sure. and how that has led you guys to work with certain farmers who may not have been worked with otherwise based on what you wanted to work on on a whim. I was yeah. wondering if there was ever kind of a reverse on that where you were working with a farmer, saw an ingredient they were working with and you were like, let's figure out how to use this in a whiskey. Like in the mash. In the mash. In the mash. Yeah. I'm trying to think like um, outside of the Wapsie. I mean, mm-hmm. that was definitely mm-hmm. our biggest one in terms of, launching an entire product line um 
And, and a damn good one at that. Mm-hmm. Trying to think what other things we get inspired to do that are that kind of maybe push the boundaries. I mean, a lot of times we um, try to think. I mean, one that we've worked with that we got excited about was when we developed the ginger whiskey afterglow mm-hmm. and we partnered with Chatham. Uh huh. The Chatham grows the baby ginger in high tunnels on mm-hmm. their Eden Hall farm campus. And so and that's pretty unique. Most mm-hmm. of ginger comes from, you know, uh, China or mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, it's not baby ginger. Mm-hmm. So that's something very unique in which it was very cool to work with a partner to integrate something they were growing uh, into our product. Yeah. And, and that, that baby ginger is, um, it's very hard to grow in Pennsylvania and they, they do it and I think it contributes a very unique flavor to our ginger whiskey. Afterglow is what we had at the uh, the Whiskey Fest. That's right. Yeah. That's it. That one, remember, it was like, this tastes like the pickled ginger you get when you have, like, sushi. Yep. Yep. That's what we had Yep. So everything uh, everything is, is local, right? Now, yep. is to, to be say that you use local grain or local ingredients, do you have, like, a certain, like, radius I think we say like 250 miles. Okay, that's what I've heard um, before with other other restaurants and stuff who say everything's local. Is yeah, yeah like two and, to two fifty. Yeah, okay. And to the most extent, we try our hardest to work directly with the farmers. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the one thing that's hard to do is um, organic malt, and so we do get organic malted barley from uh, Brees, which is in Chilton, Wisconsin. Which is mm-hmm. a, it's in that radius, but they probably get barley from a number of places. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's you know more of an adjunct for us versus the primary mash bill. We don't do mm-hmm. many uh, malt, um, full-on malt products. And mm-hmm. when we do things like that, we often get them malted, art like grains malted at a regional malt house. So gotcha. like kilted rye, which we'll taste later, that's our regional rye that we sent to a organic malt house in Hadley, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And they malted that. So this is a 95% malted rye product. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, okay. Nice. Well, that was, yeah. that was effing good. Mm-hmm. So nice. what's, what's next here? What'd you pour next? So the next is our single barrel straight rye. So this is uh, the offering um, in which we are bottling 53-gallon barrels out of our warehouse at 100, uh, 100 proof, 50% alcohol. And um, we give you the details of the barrel. And I think it's a nice representation of our rye. Uh, you get a lot of those really nice uh, rye flavors like tart cherry. I was going to say, um, I get like a fruity cherry yeah. on the nose. Mm-hmm. Um, vanilla, cinnamon. Um, some clove and a little bit of a peppery finish, but the, you know, we have a, it's not a super high rye mash bill. Generally our mash bill for our rye is about 67% rye. And then we split the balance between wheat and malted barley. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of, to me, softens some of the drier notes of rye, but also allows for those fruit flavors to shine mm-hmm. through in a nice way. Oh, that's something I want to go back to the, the waspy, um, the mash bill for that. So are your bourbons typically, is it uh, corn rye barley? Is it corn wheat barley? Like what do you... Yeah, so our our bourbons are weeded bourbons. And so again, mm-hmm. this is... 
Which is very, there's not too many not out too there. Not too many of them. Yeah. And there's a lot of interest in them because of, you know, Pappy Van Winkle and mm-hmm. Maker's mm-hmm. Mark and things like that. Mm-hmm. But weather, there, yeah. There's, there, there definitely are not that many weeded bourbons. But as a rye distillery, what we learned very early on, as we mentioned last episode, to keep the product oh, portfolio that's, different, that's uh, we, we wanted to keep rye out of our bourbon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there was like an, there's an article by maybe GQ or something that kind of said like different products coming out of one distillery are more similar to each other than comparing like bourbons from different distilleries that, mm-hmm. and that's something that like we've tried, tried to take to heart to the idea of, look, we, we have a, a mindset, but we also have to constantly challenge our own mindset and how we produce things to make sure that our products taste different mm-hmm. from each other mm-hmm. and that we don't get in this rut of every product we make ends up being the same. Well, I mean, we've only done two and they're vastly different. Mm-hmm. The, the bourbon has a floral note to it and your rye has a sweet fruit cherry, like a yeah. dark cherry. And I made a face when you were talking about that. I kind of threw you off for a second because I tasted the rye. And oh, I thought you were I doing had... that because I was doing the no. using the glass, and I was like, I'm no. not spitting no, no, because no, no, I think no. it's gross. I'm no, I, I made that face because if I did, I made that face because if I had not seen him pour this, I would have thought this was another bourbon because mm. this does not drink like a rye. Right. No, it's and it's very good. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's it's got a nice little bit of pepper to it. It's got a nice dry finish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's this. I definitely get that like sour sherry on the nose, a little bit of that fruity mm-hmm. sweetness on the palate. Oh, something I wanted I to comment. Get like a the... coffee note at the end. I'll dive back in. And see. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's the? I notice with well, you have the USA Organic. I'm looking at your your label. What's the? Turn that sideways. What's the symbol? So that's. Um... Washington oh, yes, and Wiggle Clinky yeah. Okay, yep, yep, yeah. okay. Yeah. Whiskey is better with friends, John. Yeah, perfect. This is a perfect example of that. Okay. You see what I'm saying? No, I know. I'm just now now I'm curious to see what all the uh, mm-hmm. icons on the sides of the bottles are. Okay. That one doesn't. Yeah, we're constantly tweaking the labels. So sometimes mm-hmm. they're pre-printed with something in there, and then we were like, well, all of this information we run through printers and print. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so the, we were like, well, the, some of these things we can just leave blank and then we can fill them in mm-hmm. as needed, especially if um, sometimes we've done batches with conventional products uh, because that's the only thing that's available. And then that gives us a flexibility to uh, put something else there and not necessarily label it as organic if, if necessary. But um, it's definitely something... That we get to explore. And- mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so when when Zach when we started this this show, he wasn't a rye person at all, and he was. I mean, you were very very new into bourbon, um, which is another reason why he wanted to join in on this. And he's been very adamant, like I'm not a rye person, I'm not a rye person. And then he's slowly but quickly at the same time um, turning onto rye yeah. and and. I do enjoy rice from time to time. I'm very picky with them, but this, mm-hmm. this is very good. Thanks. <laughs> well, I have a hard time with like the really like full on like cracked black pepper straight in the mouth kind of a rye. You're talking like 95% rice. Yeah. You, you said like, what, 65? I, I struggle mm-hmm. with those, but like 
But but rye's like this, where it still has a little bit of that sweetness. You get a little bit of the pepper, the fruitiness, and the pepperiness. It all kind of like complements each other so well. Mm-hmm. I have learned to like appreciate, and then from that appreciation, it evolved into enjoyment. So now to the point where I actually have a few ryes at home, like voluntarily. Um, so I think this may have to be one that I add. Later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most yeah. definitely, yeah. yeah. I also just think ryes make really good Manhattans too. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. If uh, that's something. If you're gonna add a sugar cube to it, or sweet vermouth, or anything, don't start with a bourbon. Oh no, it's too much. It's too much. I've been enjoying the, the nosing it. So what are, what are you pouring out for us now? I'm gonna pour out the Northern Exposure, which is kind of one of our explorations into malt uh, you, whiskey, sir. which uh, I like doing. It's. Um... I have been. Maybe it's because it's like been in the center of the group and staring at me this entire time, but I have been staring at this northern exposure since we started. I cannot wait to try this. So talk about this one. This is this is one of you. This is a. Was this a whim or was this a like innovative like thought out like no, super it, super thought out? Which it's one? our some of our malt whiskeys are somewhat whimsical and that okay. we you know. Again, we mentioned last episode talking about playing with different grain and malt like levels of roast, uh, things like that, different flavors. So most malt whiskey is made from <clears throat> very uh, neutrally kilned, um, unless it's peat, um, mm-hmm. neutrally kilned malt. You know, you're not getting any roast level. Mm-hmm. This, we have integrated some more like caramel and um, Munich malts that kind of kick up some of those sweeter toffee note flavors. You get much more of that malt character coming through mm-hmm. in a way that you don't on say a uh a, a malt um a scotch single malt whiskey mm-hmm. to me i get it in this really nice you get that biscuity quality but you get like this nice citrusy lemon peel this almost like a stewed lemon um and almost like a it like on the nose to me, it almost smells like effervescent. I so both of us really when we get to certain flavor or nosy notes or flavor profiles, we always nosy pull notes. from memories. Mm-hmm. And this smells like you're going down an old country road. You have the windows down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's exactly. It's uh, in the fall. Minus the manure. There's no manure in this. Right. You know what I mean? But like. That's no, kind of what it is. It's got that earthy kind of, yeah. as the leaves are turning, kind of a smell. Everything's kind of settling mm-hmm. down, getting ready for mm-hmm. the winter. So was the entire mash malted or? Yeah, so this was all, it, uh, I don't know I'm if sure it, we call it single malt. I don't know. So it's We one. may not. It, okay. It's it's multiple malts, but like the idea is it's all, uh, it's 100% malted barley. Oh, okay. And, and there are different types of malts. Okay. So there's like. We have our uh, brewer's malt, and then we have caramel malt, and we have, uh, I think, a Munich malt. Gotcha. Um, okay. Okay. I'm following you now. Yeah. So the, it's all still 100% malted barley. There may be a split between used and new cooperage, which is maybe why we don't call it a single malt. Um, mm-hmm. And then we um, and we finish it in uh, maple syrup barrels, uh, which kind of gives it a nice... Um, additional layer but it doesn't take away from the malt characteristic i still think this is a very malt forward whiskey the the way we distill on the on the pots it's nice and viscous it's very oily and lingers on the palate 
That is not what I was expecting out of this. Oh, but I really like that. Mm -hmm. I really the, like that. This isn't the only one you finish in Maple Barrels. You, the the Punxsutawney Phil one is also finished in Maple, correct? That's right. So that's our rye whiskey that we finished. That's right. Okay. Uh, maple syrup. Um, and again, this was one exploration of malt. So we've done other malt, single malt whiskeys that have a, a different variety of, um, you know, very early on, our, our whim labels were these white labels and we would label them whim number one, two, three, four. Gotcha. Okay. And we had like a roast, we had a triple double, which was like three malts, two of them were malted and one was roasted. I don't know. I <laughs> something weird. And that was, that was kind of like this. And then we had a mocha porter. And so the mash bill was, uh, emulated a mocha porter mash bill. Mm -hmm. And we've done, um, a roasty, which was much more heavy on like almost like roasted malts. Mm -hmm. So you get coffee and toast and, uh, very nutty, like hazelnut. Um, and we've done oatmeal stouts mm. in terms of we did it. We called it Quaker strength. And that, okay. That was really Love interesting. That. You can That's find awesome. That's a great name. You can find that still probably in a couple of distributed markets, but mm -hmm. um, very unique in terms of totally different than traditional whiskeys that you're getting coffee and hazelnut mm -hmm. and chocolate. Um, these phenolic characteristics that most people don't aren't expecting in their whiskey. There's a lot of interesting flavors on this one, on, on the palate. First couple sips. Have you ever had like, this is going to, this is going to sound negative and I swear to God, it's not, it's good. Have you ever had like, um, like hot pepper wine? No, I've not ever had so hot pepper wine. So you get, right, there's a sweetness to it because you get, it's usually paired with a sweet wine and it's usually like a hot pepper that's like dropped in the wine. And then there's a kick of like pepper right there and, and when I say pepper, I don't mean like salt and pepper. I'm talking like... No, you're like, talking like a habanero yeah, or a jalapeno and, or something. Which is ridiculous because there's nothing that has anything to do with that in this whiskey. And I mean, it's finished in maple barrels, for God's sake. Like, you know, but the first couple of times I had it, I, I tried it. That's that's what came out to me in a good way because I do enjoy those ones. Um, which is crazy. It's not... A, I mean, off the nose, off of the labeling, this is that's not what I was expecting to taste right away. You know yeah. what I mean? I... I love this. I really like this a lot. This is so pleasant. Mm -hmm. I also can I, I want to do another gorgeous segment because I really like this bottle. Oh, yeah. um, I just I don't know this bottle. The labeling on this is so different from your other labels in in that it's so much simpler. But I love that you guys are kind of doing this whole like Northern Lights kind of a thing mm -hmm. going on with this gradient and this gold foil on it. Everything just works so well with this. Why call it Northern Exposure? The maple. The maple syrup barrels. Okay. I'm just asking. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I wasn't attacking. Jesus. Love you. I'm not done asking <laughs> questions now. Let's You're not. off the design. Team. I guess. <laughs> I never was on it. Let's be real. <laughs> no, like the, the constellations and then yeah. like the Northern Lights and the maple and everything getting a very Canada. Mm -hmm. Oh, Canada. Mm -hmm. Wow, this is... I'm sorry. That's very fine. I'm sorry. This is so different, but so good. I, I can't... 
the thing that I love about this is like you hear someone say something like, "Oh, it's a maple whiskey." You, you might expect to kind of get punched in the face with like a pancake. But it's not a maple whiskey, as in like they put maple like it's uh, not uh, yeah, flavoring we, in it. We were not going for much sweetness at all. You know, it's it's a perfect amount of sweetness. Right. It just kind of rounds out the the the, the little the malty, bit of the yeah. maltiness to mm-hmm, it, and mm-hmm. it's oh, that's good. That's it's yeah, yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. I never, I saw it. I've seen it pop up recently, and I saw it when I was at the the, the William Penn tasting room, yeah. and I was so focused on I was trying the deep cut, and um, I had I forget what other ones I had, but um, I saw it and I was like, hmm, okay, that's interesting. I think so I'm gonna pass on it, but I'm uh, I shouldn't have because no, this, damn, might, this is good. I uh, know the wheat whiskey might have a competitor. Yeah, for me, for me. Well, so I know you have a bottle. Have you opened the kilted yet? I have. Had, I, I, I had a sip of the kilted. That was early on before I was really into rise mm-hmm. and scotch, though. So mm-hmm. it kind of was an intense experience for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm really. That was, gosh, that was two years ago, a mm-hmm. year ago. So I'm really looking forward to mm-hmm. trying it now that as, I've actually as he's pulling kind of the, the the paper off. Yeah, adjusted to it. But holy, forking wow. short balls! This was really good. Wow! 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 Uh, yeah, like you know what I like that sometimes the labels are a little bit and crooked. You know it has what, that you know what's hand you know what's not kind of a feel to it. You know what's not on any of these labels? A hashtag. Darn right, there's not a hashtag on any of these labels because these guys know what they're about. <laughs> Sorry, we, our last episode. McCallan put a hashtag on. No, 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 label. no, no. The McCallan. The McCallan put a hashtag on their label and he lost it over. It. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of went on like a twenty minute rant about how, like, if you're gonna be a hundred twenty dollar bottle of whiskey and you're gonna call yourself the McCallan, maybe don't put the hashtag on front of your. <laughs> Hang up. I'm all about hashtags. I use them to access. Use them all, we use them all the time for the posts, show, but, but I just think that there's a time and a place for them. You know, like sure, if you have like a poster for an event or something like that, fine. But you know, if you got to put it on your bottle, maybe don't put it right under the McAllen. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow, that is that is really really nice, John. You know what that would go great with? A cigar. You know what else that would go great with? Mm. Flannel in a fireplace. <laughs> mm. That's my happy place. The great okay, so now we have the kilted, so you want to talk about this one? Sure. So this is um, part one of our, you know, we're always talking about terroir and this idea of sense of place. Yeah, you keep saying, explain what that is. So t- terroir is a, a term in the wine industry that kind of, the way we try to rephrase it is taste of place. Where What is the taste that Got you. the product being made, where it is, uh, bring to it? So mm-hmm. I think, you know, we try to do that in a number of ways, not only from the perspective of, we source grains locally and, you know, we've, we've done these projects where we source rye grains from six different places mm-hmm. all over the country, mm-hmm. including Canada and Minnesota and Vermont mm-hmm. um, and uh, Pittsburgh and Ohio. And we made, you know, as close to identical batches of rye whiskey, 80% rye, 20% malted barley. We've got them analyzed mm-hmm. to show that where the rye is grown may impact the flavor of the product. And that's something that is somewhat skewed in spirits. And we're trying to focus Mm -hmm. on the idea that it can have an influence of taste. So that can have an impact in, you know, in wine, it's, you know, the soil has Mm -hmm. this minerality that affects those flavors. And so we have the same idea. And um, there's other things, you know, we have social, cultural, uh, historical heritage and um, we try to 
produce spirits that were influenced by the social and cultural heritage of Western Pennsylvania. The, the idea of that gin that we talked about last episode uh, was inspired by the Pennsylvania Dutch making a Holland gin from rye. You know, so we kind of were inspired to do something similar. Mm-hmm. This uh, product, Kilted Rye, is kind of what we're what we're looking to do is explore the marriage of two products that have very <clears throat> unique cultural identities and um, mm-hmm. and expression. So, what uh, Western Pennsylvania being uh, what we're bringing to the table is rye whiskey. So we created a malt ninety five percent malted rye. Uh, product five percent malted barley and then um, heavily peated Scotch whiskey. So in this case, we sourced Laphroaig quarter cast barrels, and we um, after aging the malted rye whiskey in new charred oak barrels, we finished them in Laphroaig quarter cast to get some of that peat. So two very mm-hmm. terroir driven products, mm-hmm. that are, uh, yeah, products known for uh, for a flavor and taste of place of where they come from. And we're marrying those two so we can talk about those different mm-hmm. flavors and what they bring to the table. Well, the the, the smoky peatiness that you um, associate with an ILA scotch, on the nose is very subtle. It's there if you know to look for it. You know what I mean? I didn't, t- I didn't smell it the first time. I tried a little bit and then I went and smelled it again and then it, you know, it started coming out. But the... On the palate, it comes in at the end. Right. And for a 90, I mean, I know it's multiple, but a 95% rye, we joked that Zach doesn't like 95% rye. This is very... This is not what I drank a year ago. No. No, this is way gentler than what Mm -hmm. I drank a year Mm -hmm. ago. Maybe I was just a little baby. Probably Mm -hmm. I was a little baby. Well, this is also the second batch, so there's probably some variation between the, the, the... quarter cast that mm-hmm. we got and mm-hmm. um i think i might have bought you the batch one mm-hmm. and but what's what i like about it is that the the smoke you would think that the rye and peat are very very strong in um yeah. in their mm-hmm. identities mm-hmm. and you'd think that they would compete but what to me what's interesting is the smoke accentuates the sweetness of the rye mm-hmm. and so when you taste it you get so much more sweetness up front you do you i mean like it the caramel notes come out. Um, the sweet cherry notes come out, uh, and and then it finishes with that nice briny smokiness. And it's not overpowering. No, I mean I like I like Islays. Sure, I, he does not. Zach does not. I I do enjoy them. So um, it to me it's very not subtle is not the right word, but it's there. Right. Soft. You, you know, it's soft. It's it's there. So from from your aspect, because you know, there's certain you only enjoy certain eyelids. So mm-hmm. what do you think about that? I that finishing note. I don't mind it. No, I really don't. Uh, the fact that it was finished in the barrel and isn't the barrel um, mm-hmm. is a huge difference to me. To me, this kind of almost tastes like a toasted rye. If that's how I could phrase it and not sound like a bastard um no because it it, it reminds me of of a rye very much but that smoky flavor just kind of makes it feel a little bit a little bit toasted a little Mm -hmm. you know um and i like it it's not 
punching me in the throat like no. most Isla Scotches do. Or I'm, like I'm, most like 95% Ryan's would. Yeah, you know? no, that's the other thing. It's like they're complimenting, this, like you said, they're is, complimenting each other. This is two of my nemeses in a bottle degree. and I'm enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> like they compliment each other so well. So, mm-hmm. um, no, I like it. I yeah. think it's, it's definitely, and the other thing I'm impressed by too is it's like, so with like the Ardbeck, I'm saying like a lot. I sound like a 16 year old girl. Um, with the Ardbeg. No, they say literally now. Literally? Literally? <laughs> this is, see, but I, I don't, I think of Parks and Rec when I think of literally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> literally? Literally? This is literally the best mm-hmm. thing I've ever had. Um, no, this is, um, it's, it's a lot softer on the finish too than you'd expect something that's like 95% rye finished in an Isle Scotch barrel. You'd expect that to be like really, really harsh on the palate, especially on the finishing. You'd think it like would just like burn from here to like here. I'm pointing from the top of my neck to my toes yes, right this now. Is not, there's everybody. no video to this. Um, but it doesn't. It's really ridiculously smooth. I have a random question. Do you just, what do you just send like info at lefroy.com or whatever and say, Hey, we want to buy one of your, like, how does that process happen? So our, our, cause it's not like they're like yeah. in Ohio. No. It's, <laughs> and so this one we got through our Cooper, uh, Kelvin okay. Cooperage in yes. Louisville, Kentucky. And they, um, that's a, like a third gen, their third generation Coopers. They came over from Scotland. Uh, the, the two brothers that run it, um, they're, they're great. And part of the reason they came over here was that, help can strengthen the brokerage of American barrels to Scotland, mm-hmm. right? Because they age everything mm-hmm. in um, used bourbon barrels. Mm-hmm. But now that Scotch is um, exploring other barrel sizes, like yeah. quarter casks mm-hmm. and um, different barrels, they're, they're also trying to unload those barrels back on America. So the our uh, cooperage serves as somewhat of a brokerage. So they... Um, Every once in a while, we reach out and say, you know, what what do you have? Or gotcha. we, we'd really be interested in something along mm-hmm. these lines. And so mm-hmm. they're like, we, we just got Freud barrels in. And we were like, deal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we would love to. That's fantastic. That, I don't know. I'm going to have to go back and try the barrel, or the, the barrel, goodness gracious, the bottle that you got me. Yeah, I have home. one too and I opened it recently. I'm going to have to go home and I'm going to have to have a little sippy sip tonight. I opened it after the, the PWF event because Aaron and all the admins came home and they were like, we all bought Kilted Ride because it is out of this world good. Yeah, it's one. Of, it's definitely one of my favorites. I mean, I'm, I'm tasting you in a lot of my favorites right now. So. <laughs> hey, no, we are here for the journey, man. Right. Take twist our arm. Yeah, yeah, twist yeah, yeah. Twist it. Twist yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it. I'm keeping the northern exposure. I keep going back to the toastiness. Well, dude, the northern the exposure toastiness is note on that it's blowing my mind, man. I love mm-hmm, that northern mm-hmm, exposure. Mm-hmm. That's probably my favorite one we've had so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Well, I think because it's the most shocking. That's shocking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what we got now? So this is our um, deep-cut rye whiskey. And the way we barrel this, it's single-barrel cast strength. Ooh. So, um, Taylor, our um, barrel yes. house manager and uh, blender, he when he's putting together, you know, we in the beginning we tasted Wapsie, and that's a blend of mm-hmm. probably eight 25-gallon barrels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when he's tasting through all these different batches uh, and barrels, 
he'll say he'll pick one that represents the deep cut. And this is mm-hmm. the idea here is we are trying to emphasize kind of these bold flavors in our rye whiskey on both ends of the spectrum, not mm-hmm. only from the perspective of um, the mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. We want it nice and heavy on the mouthfeel, um, but also a lot of the characteristics in our rye, we want to make sure those are fully present, whether or not it's the tart cherry mm-hmm. um, or the spiciness. Um, and so that it's kind of something that we pick out very unique barrels to bottle, uh, single bottle mm-hmm. um, or single barrel batches. Uh, it's it's quite delightful. It's one of those things to have something at cast strength is mm-hmm. it gives the uh, drinker the opportunity to either enjoy it at cast strength. Mm-hmm. They we we are drinking high proof spirits because they are high proof, so mm-hmm. it's, it can have that nice warming sensation. But it also uh, gives you the opportunity to maybe put it on ice and let it open up, yeah. or drop a couple, know, put water, water in yep. it, and, and uh, kind of enjoy, see it at different stages because. Alcohol is a solution of hundreds of different alcohols. There's not, it's not just ethanol and water. It's mm-hmm. hundreds of alcohols. Mm-hmm. And those all are, have different um, solubilities in different contents of ethanol and water. Mm-hmm. So as you change the ethanol and water content, different components of the whiskey will become out of solution. Mm-hmm. And that's when you can sense them. When they're in solution, you can't sense them. So, so let's, let's talk about... So because so we're having this straight. Hmm? So what you're telling me is alcohol is the solution. Mm-hmm. So so this one is a, a single barrel straight rye whiskey, the deep cut. But we had a single barrel straight rye whiskey. Is just just the cast strength version of that, basically? So yeah. So there the um, this is cast strength, and they're in particular they are specific barrels that we feel are representative of the deep cut label. Okay. In terms of their the, the flavors are more pronounced and richer. So do they start the same? They Yeah, in terms of they... Um, like mash bill and all in that. In terms of mash bill and stuff, yeah. So they could be next to each other and, and the one on the left could be a perfect example of your single barrel straight rye. Right. And the other one may have a little bit more uh, specific notes at a cast right. strength. Right. Yeah, okay. Because I, I, we didn't talk about proof, but um, the, the the regular, the, the the second offering we had today... The was single, 100 proof. It's 100 proof. That was 100 yeah. proof? Holy <laughs> shit. That was fantastic. Yeah. Sorry, I just made our levels like blow yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, And the, so occasionally, you know, deep cut barrels will be blended into... If they're our not blends. Like the, yeah, if they don't make the, the cut. If I, you know. or, or even, even they, they may be like, oh, this is like... We could bottle this as deep cut, but it's it's part of that blend, right? Like when if we're to the extent we yeah. are being more widely distributed mm-hmm. and our consistency mm-hmm. has to have a tighter band. Yeah. There's definitely variation between batches, but you know, we're blending a certain number of barrels and the deep cut barrels offer a depth um, to each batch and we need some of those barrels in these blends that we put together. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely! You need that yeah. that depth of you know when you're depth, like when you're blending, right. you may have a, a younger one and an older one, yeah. or a a softer note or a complex note. Right. And yeah, those are going to mash really well. So, I mentioned on the previous show that my personal favorite is the deep cut bottle and bond. So that is a four year old, right? It has to has to at least be four. Um, 
So obviously this one, I can see the label. It says this is only obviously two years because yep. it was straight. So it has to be at least two. So how do you – because it's not like, oh, it's an extra six months. Now it's, now it's bottom point. Right. Like if you pull it out at the two-year year mark and it, it makes – the cut to be, mm-hmm. you know, to pun intended, to, to possibly become a deep cut. How do you know that, you know what, in two years this is going to be a bottom? Like, how do you know whether to pull it now or to let it sit? So part of that is definitely barrel size. This okay. is coming out of a 25-gallon barrel. This is 25. Okay. Yeah. okay. And to let a 25-gallon barrel go to four, four to, to six yeah. years... Mm-hmm. I would start to worry about the level of oak mm. and it being mm-hmm. too dry and tannic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, tannics are definitely going to take yeah, over. Right. So the, a lot of that process is our 25-gallon barrels, we feel, are ready somewhere between two and three years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Which, again, goes back to that we talked age statements before, right? right? Someone might say, say two yeah. and be like, eh. But, uh, I mean, look at the color of this one compared oh, to gorgeous. the rest of them. And it's gorgeous. so dark. It is. And that makes sense. You put it in the 25. That's, that's a right. beautiful amber palette. I mean, it's the, the colors. This could be a 8 to 10 year whiskey mm-hmm. in a 53. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And um, so your bottle and bonds, you do have for the deep cut. Are those in 53s? Those are, yeah. If it's the bottle and bonds, those those single barrel, uh, for anything over four years is generally going to be coming out of a... A 53 gallon. Mainly for the reason that you yeah. just said, letting right. 25 or living a letting a 25 gallon right. go to four is kind of right. yeah pushing mm-hmm. it a little bit. Right. Yeah, and so and then our our also you know, your yield was probably horrible, right? You probably, <laughs> because there, our recovery between a two year old 25 gallon barrel is similar to a four and a half to five year old 53 gallon yeah. barrel in terms of percentage recovered. And we're, right now, the, you know, these blends that we're doing, they, even though the age statement will say two years, we'll have some three- and four-year-old 53-gallon barrels blended in. So this is the first one where I've actually had a little bit more of a peppery note. Right. Like this one tastes like a rye. Right. Yeah, like but a traditional rye. Even then, it's still not an overpowering pep. No. I mean, it's... It's more overpowering than the previous things. We've sure, had. no, I agree, hundred percent. It's definitely 100%. more. It's definitely more of a, a rye tasting than the single barrel straight that we had a second. Which I still don't. Which makes sense proof. because you said you want the deep cut right. to be more, more oomph. Yeah, and, it's, and like like you were saying, it's going to really give you that room to play. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to see what this is like at a lower proof. Throw a little water in there. Throw put it on the rocks. You can really experience this what from... Did you, what did you... 120 what? 122.7. No. No, it no does way. not taste 122.7. No way. And that's in a good way. Like, it, you're, you think, I'm going to take a hit of this and my cold's going to be gone forever. No, mm-hmm. it's like, this mm-hmm. is this is really... I mean, it's got that pepper. There's a little bit more of a bite because of that pepper because it's so deep cut. But it's still ridiculously smooth, especially when you look at the proof. And if like you're gonna be looking at things like versus age kind of a thing, you wouldn't look at this and think a traditional two year whiskey. Right. You know, I'm just floored by the proof. And this does that, not taste. No, which is dangerous. Front, middle, back, hug does not taste like a 127. Mm-hmm. Usually, when I get when we when we've had a couple, well, um, we've had a couple. <laughs> we've had a couple higher proof ones, and it's just like you know the whole way down. And this, all right, hold on. I mean, I would yeah. guess 100 proof. 
You know, on this one? Yeah, and the other one was 100 proof. I, I would guess, and that didn't taste 100 proof. No, the 100 proof I would have thought was just your regular like 80 to 90. Yeah, I would have said 90. I would have put it at 90. And mm-hmm. then this one, I would put it like 100. Yeah. You know, your I, I would not have thought that if, if Bobby had brought that onto the show and was like, prepare to ride the dragon, mm-hmm. I would have been like, that was a really mild dragon, mm-hmm. dude. Bobby did ask, I asked the, the admins if they had any questions for him, and Bobby did say, what about, ask him about some cast strength stuff. Bobby, the deep cut is cast strength. Yeah. And it's <laughs> dope. <laughs> and part of that is the distillation method. So having a, a full representation of the alcohols, getting this distilling deeper into the tails gives you that oily mouthfeel and that those that heavier mouthfeel the oils yeah provide structure not only for those flavors mm-hmm. but also the alcohol content this definitely it can soften the the impact of the alcohol this definitely is the most oily of of everything we've had so mm-hmm. far no it does you can feel it kind of coat the whole mouth the whole palate mm-hmm. but it's pleasant shit you're going to kill my paycheck. <laughs> yeah. Because now I want to buy all of them. I'm still, I will, I will like arm wrestle people for that Northern exposure. I keep going back to it because it's just so, it's damn so damn good. But all of it has been fantastic. I still don't believe that the straight rye was 100 proof. No. All right. So what's, uh, what's this one? So this last one is... Um, our full pint roasty. And so again, part of our brewery collaborations, mm-hmm. those are somewhat whimsical in that it's like, uh, you know, we're partnering with the brewery and we want to do something fun that kind of pushes our boundary in terms of mash bills. And this is, we took full pints mash bill of their rye rebellion stout and we produced it on, we basically did the same mash bill on our system and distilled it and then barreled it. Interesting. Um, so you get a lot of those. It's, it is uh, like chocolate rye, and yeah, um, and I do darker, love a good stout. So yeah. you had me at stout and darker, okay. darker roasty quality uh, malt. Um, and I think that comes through in really interesting ways that you don't get from other whiskeys. So it kind of even Holy more shit. so than Northern Exposure pushes the flavor profile of what a whiskey t- could taste like. This is a stout. Hold on, I gotta try. This is I'm a, just, I'm this eating. is what I expect out of a stout when I I'm drink. I'm enjoying stout. the painty back, but it's a color of whiskey. Normally, when you when you're partnering with breweries, right, you're giving them used barrels to finish a stout or finish something. Holy like. shit! Yeah. So you like, replicated their mash bill, right? Have you done any any of them any whiskeys where you've literally taken their beer? Yeah, so the the ones we've done that were with um, Penn Brewery. We've distilled their um, Oktoberfest beer, and the first time we did that, yes, okay, we emptied ten thousand twelve ounce bottles into the still. Oh my god! <laughs> and Wait, say that again. Sorry, I was reading. Uh, we distilled ten thousand twelve ounce bottles of Penn Brewery's Oktoberfest beer, <gasps> and then. So that was fun, and what was really what's interesting on that perspective is that pushes the um, the whiskey production process in fermentation time. Their beers mm-hmm. are lager. Like what's great about Penbury, you go to their lagering caves, and they are you know fermenting for thirty days. Most whiskey we ferment for you know four days. Mm-hmm. It's not very long, but that in the the Oktoberfest one that we make. Uh, with Penbury, you get these totally different flavor profiles. It's like sweet cherry. Um, it's malty. Some of it you get in here, that same sort of like lemony, 
mm-hmm. orangey malt characteristic that's in kind of hidden behind mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. coffee and chocolate and nuttiness. I was about to ask if I was having a stroke or if I was taking or if I was tasting nut. Yeah, it, there's, there's like a no, really this nice is, this, nuttiness this stout, to it. It's the, really, I mean, the, the, the name of this is perfect. And, and it is so dangerously smooth, you guys. Like this would get me... What's the proof on this one? You know, 92. Fucking hell. It now, doesn't taste like that. This makes a, an amazing whiskey sour. So Ooh, with lemon juice, the egg white, yeah. and like ma- we, I usually do maple syrup instead of. Did you say egg white? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you shake a an egg white in there. A traditional um, whiskey sour is made with egg whites. I apparently have. Never I had, had one at the had, tasting room. One of the guys right. had me had me try with his new recipe for it. So apparently, so, I've never had a decent whiskey sour because most people are just like whiskey sour mix ice. Yeah. Here, that's, nah, that's you what definitely the, need fresh pressed lemon. That's, that's the what the dive whites do. Let's maple be real. syrup. Well, and yeah. the egg white smooths it out so much in terms of from the perspective of giving this nice mouthfeel and it's foamy because of your shaking oxygen I will be going to the tasting room on my lunch break this week we just said we had dinner with with not not you Alex but other Alex our photographer today we had dinner with them last night we said we want to meet them after dinner after work one day because um they're pumping out some amazing cocktails. Let me know when you guys are going I'll just I will, I will. all right yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> are you you're working downtown right where are you downtown Shit, why we didn't have lunch yet? You can call me. All right, I'll call you. Funny. I will. Watch me. Oh, my God. I Literally, I'm drinking a stout, but there's whiskey in my glass, and it's just baffling the hell out of me. Yeah, the the, the consistency and the taste don't match. <laughs> and I love it. Good wow. It does have a great coffee note. Mm-hmm. This would be so good in a cup of coffee. Mm. Oh yeah! Would you guys ever consider turning this into like a coffee liqueur? We have. We do make a coffee liqueur, but not with, not with this. <laughs> Would you consider it? It'd be a really expensive coffee liqueur. <laughs> well, it would be liqueur, worth it. We co- mm-hmm. make a cold brew and then dump it down with the cold brew. When so my aunt, will you guys be serving breakfast at the restaurant? Yeah. Let's talk about uh, full circle here. But so my. My aunt, my mom's sister, lives in Kentucky. Yeah. You know, near the epicenter of everything. But when she comes home to Pittsburgh, we come, we always do a strip district and we always go to Wiggle because she buys the coffee beans that you guys sell there. Oh, Wait, you guys sell coffee she, beans? Why didn't I know this? Yeah. That is the only, she buys, like, she takes the, she takes a basket and she takes the shelf and she empties it. And she takes it back with her. You know. This needs to last me until I come back. Yeah, basically. And she makes it for everyone at work and she's just, she absolutely loves up. it. It's like those old Folgers commercials when Alex uses the coffee from our tasting room at home. You can definitely smell from the second floor. It's like they're super rich. There it Excuse is. Me. She absolutely loves it. Yeah. You didn't know they had coffee beans? No, I didn't know they had coffee beans. <laughs> you need to go down there more often. I know I do. I have two kids, man. <laughs> okay. I live out in the moon. We're going to have a children's menu. as far as the moon. You can go to Ross. We're going to have a children's menu. Thank you. Good. <laughs> work. If you got a children's menu and a high chair, yeah. my wife and I are in. We'll have both of them. Children's menu and a high chair? Done. Yeah. <laughs> Done. <sighs> well, um, 
You thank go for you it first, so much. This oh, has yeah. been thanks for wow. asking so us and fun. for coming. We really yeah. appreciate this it. This has seriously yeah. been like a delight. Yeah. And Indeed. if you didn't realize, Meredith came back from her previous engagement because yeah, how she was wanted it? to have fun or fun with us. Great. There's <laughs> we have brewers. We have people enjoying beer. It's a beautiful oh, sight. So because you know the brewing event is at Threadbare. Do you or or did you or are you going to have some sort of cider coming out of there that is finished in any of your whiskey barrels? We, we yeah. do have a bourbon barrel finished cider. Huh? And then yeah. we also have um, our Phil's Burrow oh, yeah. is finished in... So our rum casks. So. Rum casks. Okay. It's a um, rum just, raisin that tastes, cider. That one tastes... Yeah, it's a rum raisin cider and it tastes like... Vanilla cream soda. It's amazing. Again, we talked about vodka and gin earlier, so I feel like we're okay to talk about cider. Because I do love cider. And rum. We can talk about rum. We can talk about whatever you want. It's it's our show. (laughs) We'll do what we want. Oh, my goodness. This was... Both episodes were very fun. This one was super fun, of course, because we were drinking. um, (laughs) Both were super fun. This was super tasty. I love doing these because, not that I didn't respect you guys to begin with because of everything you are doing, but I I just get a whole other level of respect and appreciation appreciation for everything. And and this is just highlighting the the level of expertise that you guys are are trying to reach with whiskey and care and commitment. You taste it. Mm-hmm. You really taste it, mm-hmm. you know. And I think these bottles are worth whatever price tag you throw. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any any final any final thoughts from just me? holy shit? Yeah. Right. I, wow. I, I'm baffled. I'm, no, I'm, I'm just gonna need a minute to process because this was this was great. Mm-hmm. Like I this I didn't so have one thing that I didn't thoroughly enjoy and couldn't see sitting on my shelf mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. For real, I'm yeah. very fortunate enough to already have this on my shelf. My wife is already gonna be mad. She's gonna add. I'm already be, running out of room. I gotta add more shelf. <laughs> be drinking some of my. You have bar. Yeah, you do have bar space at home. You live really close to. Is it you want to hook me up? <laughs> um, um, any any final thoughts on the whiskeys now that you guys wanna you wanna talk about before we close out? I can't think of any. I think we covered a lot of ground. But are there any upcoming other than the um, the leap year deep cut bottle? Event is there any events that you want people to know about that are coming up in the next couple of months? Mm-hmm. I mean, really, the yeah. grand opening is in a few weeks at the distillery. That'll be our biggest event in okay. ten years. <laughs> okay, so Ian's keep an eye out. So that'll mm-hmm. be very fun. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I can't even. I, I had. I don't even know. I have no words. Words are hard. Mm-hmm. We just got back from Disney, and we just this. This I swear this relates. This is like a total <laughs> tangent, but we just got back from Disney, and we rode the uh, flight of passage um, in Pandora. Which was like a mind blowing. Oh, you did ride that. I rode oh, it. We're it was a mind blowing experience. <laughs> like my my brother and my sister in law and my sister, they were like, "How was it?" And I needed literally ten minutes just to process <laughs> what I had done. I kind of feel like that right now. <laughs> did you get a fast pass for that? Hell no, we didn't. We got there for rope drop, brother. Oh god, because <laughs> I'm a nerd. Sorry, we're both big Disney fans. <laughs> um, no, we had to wait an hour and ten minutes. You're super lucky, Jesus. Um, People were waiting five by, hours by the afternoon. Ride. It was up to like four and a half hours. <laughs> No, um, no. So that was like the best Disney ride I've ever been on. How long is the ride? Four minutes. Yeah, that's a long time. For it's a, a long time for a ride. It's, it's all it's all like the um, the augmented like reality. They like the put the glasses. The on giant screen, like you know, the IMAX yeah. at the Science Center. It's like it's that, but you're on a ride. It's yeah. like have you guys ever read Soren in Epcot? No. Okay. It's like you're hang- that is like you're hanging and you're on a hang glider and it looks like you're like flying through the air. This is better than that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow. So, like, you literally feel like you're flying. You're right. fantastic. Cool. It was I very go cool. Now. So, you guys have to go. We have to go. Um, when you guys get like 30 seconds to take a break, yeah, go. If <laughs> have a great time. But like this for me was like the Disney World of Rides. Oh, good. Okay, That's great. this was like the flight of passage the of of flights. It was definitely a wild. It was all over the map. <laughs> well, another thing too is like so when we did this with Liberty Pole, right? They have their their standard offering, so we knew what we were getting into. Yeah. When, well, and actually, we didn't. We, we thought didn't. we knew. We, we thought we knew we were getting. And into. They threw curveballs at us. Great curveballs. Curveballs that I would take of, again. The amount of uh, distillates that you guys are producing, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what to ask for. I just figured let but you guys take us on a ride, yeah. and They're Alex did, and quality. it was. There's so much quality. You guys are creating such a wide range, but it's and like all I said, anybody consistent. saying those those the, the the hard question we asked right yeah. in the last one, anybody saying that has not actually come here and actually they felt can the shove full, it. They can't. They have not <laughs> felt the full effect of what you guys can and will and do. are producing. Yeah, not just will produce, are producing. I just said yeah. can and will and are. <laughs> <laughs> I teach math. Get off me. <laughs> I'm an artist. I know speak no good. <laughs> All right, Zach. I, we got to end this because I don't even know what to do next. This so. was like... I can't even say what this was like. This so, anyway. <laughs> we are going to end it. Zachary, sir, as always, cheers to you. John, cheers to you. Cheers to Yen's. <laughs>